Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. I guess Jesus didn't come back, so here we are. I hope not. I hope Because <laughs> if he did and we're in heaven, he's just side-eyeing you right now. Well, you know, it'd be funny, actually, we, because we record these ahead of time. It is very possible that right now you and I are in heaven with Christ. Dude, and p- nobody's, th- this is just not nobody either. No, somebody, somebody will listen. This is like that Left Behind series. People will listen. <laughs> and Kirk start, Cameron? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like Kirk Cameron. Nic- Nikolai Carpathia is out there yep. rising to power. Hey, man, that really got me into eschatology. I'm not going to, I'm not going to hate on that series. Well, we're going to, yeah, no, well, it's going to be, we'll talk about that in today's in today's reading, actually, in the New Testament, um, not exactly in the Old Testament. Man of lawlessness. Yeah, in the Old Testament, we're we're, uh, we're starting a brand new book, um, not like new to the Bible. Brand new to the Bible. Yeah. Nobody has ever. This is heresy, right? The now. word of Pastor PJ. Nope. Nope. The to gospel, the church. The gospel of Pastor Rod. We're going to read that. <laughs> yeah. Jesus bumps into somebody and, and strikes him dead. Yeah. That's what do you do with those, man? Yeah. The, the false gospels. Um, the pseudepigrapha. Yeah. Or the uh, the apocryphal books. I mean, we, could, we haven't talked about those yet. Apocryphal books, psychopigraphal like books. We're going to do that on, on December 32nd. <laughs> That's going to be a bonus episode. You know what? I, you know, if we do a, like a Patreon thing, we could do special episodes about stuff like that. We could talk about aliens and Sasquatch. Where, where, where are we getting this time? <laughs> well, I mean, in between the hours of 12 a.m. and okay. 3 a.m. Okay. We'll just keep molars hours. Okay. Hey, uh, but we are starting Jeremiah and Jeremiah was not a bullfrog <laughs> or a, a, even a good friend of mine, but, uh, Nothing. No, no. You don't know that song. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. What is he talking about? You don't know that song. I do not know that song. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. He was a good friend of mine. Uh, oh my goodness. I, I, I don't even know the title of it, but we're going to get, was it called Jeremiah was a bullfrog? Maybe it was, it was like an old, it was an oldie. It's an old school song, man, but I didn't grow up in church. Okay. Bro, so well, I'm not sure. Sorry. It's not a Christian song either. It's, it's, not, a, it's totally, hold on. I'm going to Google it. I'm hold on. This is live. We're just, we're this going for it right recorded, now. But it live, we're doing this right live now. Live and coming Re- at recording you. Recording live. Um, how do you spell Jeremy? J. Okay. Er, er. It's even called Joy to the World by Three Dog Night. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. It is. Ready? Can you play this without us getting in trouble? I don't know. I nope. You've never heard this song, dude. Okay, I do not. I don't know, know that we can talk about Jeremiah the prophet unless you've listened to that one. Okay, I'll go sit in the corner and listen to it until. Okay. Why well, Jeremiah is not a bullfrog nor a good friend of mine yet. I hope to get to know him in eternity. But uh, he, he was he was known as the weeping prophet. Yeah, Jeremiah had it rough. Like Isaiah had it rough because God said, "Hey, you're going to go and nobody's going to listen to you." Jeremiah literally had to prophesy as he watched all of these events unfold before mm-hmm. his eyes. Yeah. And, and he lamented uh, about it and lamented it. But yeah. <laughs> that's hey, why he weeps. <laughs> he, he should write a book called Lamentations. <laughs> oh, he did. That's one right. of the best passages in all the Bible. Oh, for sure. So there, for there's sure. that even in the weeping. Yeah. But, yeah. But before we get there, we've got to get through Jeremiah, oh, right? Okay. He begins to prophesy um, somewhere around 627. And so uh, it's been a, a handful of years from uh, Isaiah now to Jeremiah. And he's beginning in Josiah's reign. Um, and he prophesies all the way from Josiah on. It's, it's really unclear when his 
prophetic reign, so to speak, ends. Uh, certainly, he prophesies through 586 BC, which is the, the fall of Jerusalem. Right. Uh, but there are some that believe he keeps going beyond that, even into, I mean, he ends up in Egypt uh, through a portion of this and then, and then even further beyond that. So we're not exactly sure when Jeremiah stopped or ceased his prophetic ministry, but we know when it, he died. at least, yeah, well, that's true, I guess. <laughs> But we know at least it went all the way through uh, the fall of Jerusalem and most likely beyond that. It's another big book. It's one of the major prophets. 52 chapters. Yeah. So when we talk about major prophets, what are we talking about? We're talking about Isaiah. They're larger. They're like six foot two. They're larger. They're super big. They're rotund. Major. They're they're (laughs) obese, biblically speaking. Oh, wow. Uh, No, but you had Isaiah, you had Jeremiah, you had Ezekiel, and you had Daniel were the four major prophets. And so when we talk about major prophets, that's what we're talking about there. But we're not talking about major league versus minor league. Right. Not more important than the others, just larger, <laughs> longer. They have more content. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how does Jeremiah break down across those 50 plus chapters here? Well, you've got in chapter one, uh, the, the prophet's call and preparation chapters two, then all the way through 45 focus on the judgment on Judah. So God is telling Judah, here's what's coming. You need to be ready for this. This is what's going to happen to you. 46 through 51. Then you've got to focus on the nations that God is not just going to judge Judah, but he's also going to turn his attention and judge the nations. And then chapter 52 records the downfall of Jerusalem there at the end. Ending on a high note. And it, yeah, super high note. Yeah. Just like I Isaiah mean, did. Yeah. Well, no, this one, it really does though. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a, a muted high note, but it's a high note nonetheless. There's, there's hope amidst the, the destruction. Yes. And we'll yes. get there in a few episodes. We will. A few dozen or so. Yeah. Give it a take. Yeah. Hey, the chapter one opens then with the call of the prophet. Um, he at the outset talks about his prophecy here, his prophetic ministry until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. That's fast forwarding and looking forward to 586 BC in the fall there of everything going on. But here, the opening, the call of Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born. I consecrated you. That word consecrated means to set apart. Um, he set him apart for his purpose. God did. I appointed you a prophet to the nations, though Jeremiah's primary prophetic ministry is to southern kingdom judah to the southern kingdom here right. yeah uh do not say i'm only a youth in other words don't don't question this whatever i command you you shall speak do not be afraid of them for i am with you to deliver you there's some parallels here with the call of, of moses isn't there because mm-hmm. though we don't have the prophet himself speaking up saying i can't go i don't know what to say right uh you do have god reassuring him saying i'm gonna put my words yeah exactly Exactly. Verse nine, uh, Jeremiah uh, one, nine, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Uh, A lot of people see a connection here to Deuteronomy 18, 18, which is the, the passage is talking about. There's going to be a prophet like Moses who will rise from your people. And I will put my words in his mouth. Um, is Isaiah that prophet in its fullest sense? No, that was Jesus. But is this a, a, a type of that prophet? Yeah, you, you could say that. So was it Jeremiah or Jesus? Is this one of those? Yes. Is it Jeremiah or Jesus? Yes. Oh, I see. Yes. Yeah. But uh, God here lays out what he's going to use Jeremiah to do in the rest of the chapter. He talks about calling the, the nation from the north, the people from the north. And again, remember, Babylon would be the ultimate tool in God's hands to carry out the destruction of Jerusalem. They were, geographically speaking, their nation was anchored to the east of the city. And so why then is this coming from the north? Well, it's because that's the path that they would ultimately take to come down and conquer Jerusalem. So, so there's a bit of destruction. Yeah. Rather than a 
an error in the Bible or somebody being able to point to and say, see, it doesn't know what it's, it's actually evidence of greater detail in the scripture that the prophet or God could have told Jeremiah, the, the people from the East are going to come and conquer you. And then people would have said, well, wait a minute. They actually came from the North, but God knows exactly what he's doing. He's setting up the details and he knows, yes, this people from the East are the, the instrument in my hand, but they're going to come to you from the North. Mm-hmm. So that's chapter one, the call of the prophet, the preparation for the prophet. Again, it's, it's not uh, man. I, I, I was excited about going into ministry. I don't know about you, Pastor Rod, but it was something that I looked forward to answering that that call to, to ministry was something that I just was like, man, I, I can't see myself doing anything else. I want to go do this. I'm excited mm-hmm. about it. Weightiness to it for sure. But I, I knew that, man, I, I, I love doing what I get to do in this. So um, that's not the case with Jeremiah or Isaiah. Their call to ministry, so to speak, is one that is- Prepared to hurt. Yeah, that it's going to be awful. This is going to, but not. I'm with you. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So chapter two, then uh, we get into the the prophecy. The word of the Lord came to me. That That is a, a common uh, statement that you're going to find here. And it's a reminder that these are not the words of the prophet, but these are, are this is God speaking through the prophet. Um, doctrine of inspiration applies both to the, the New Testament and the Old Testament. We see that get, these words are God's words as they came to these prophets, as they were serving the Lord in this instance. Chapter four, um, he questions, he, or chapter verse four. four, verse four, thank you. Mm-hmm. He questions verse four and five. He says, what wrong did your fathers find in me? They went far from me. They went after worthlessness and became worthless. Uh, look at verse eight, the failure of the leadership. The priests did not say, where's the Lord? Those who handled the law, they didn't know me. The shepherds transgressed. They sinned against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and people went after things that do not profit. God's shocked and appalled. In fact, that's what he says here as he continues on in verses 11 and 12. He says, has any other nation done what you've done? Has any other nation decided we're done with these gods? We're going to take new gods instead. Mm-hmm. So he's even pointing to the idolatrous nations, the, the, the Philistines with Dagon and others and going, they're faithful to their gods. Yeah. They're idols. Exactly. And so that, that's why God's saying, I'm shocked because here I am the one true God and you're doing exactly what the other nations refuse to do, even though they're the false gods. Right. And I think it's important to note here, God is not actually shocked. He's not like, oh man, I had no idea right. Wait, what? <laughs> what happened. But it helps us to understand the kind of emotional, I don't know, the emotional response God had. It's real. That's yeah. a real response from God, though we could argue just as equally and just as strongly. He knows all things. He knew that that was going to happen. He ordained it to happen. And yet God does enter into the moment with us. And yeah. he condescends by saying, this is what it's like yeah. when you guys depart from who you know to be true. Yeah, and uh, there's there's a lot more here in in chapter two with this. It, it all I think though can be well summed up, and I want to give us enough time to get to the man of lawlessness in Second Thessalonians chapter two because there's a lot there. But I think it, it, Jeremiah two thirteen, my people have committed two evils, and here it is laid out very plainly. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out for themselves cisterns broken cisterns that can hold no water uh, a cistern if you're not familiar with it was a literal it was a hole in the ground like brethren and cistern yeah brethren and cistern that's that's it exactly oh. no <laughs> it was a, a hole in the ground that was meant to catch not necessarily even fresh rainwater that would do that but really the runoff gross and so it would collect all of the water that that ran from the side of the hills and in other places and fill up this pit in the ground and oftentimes it had limestone in it and the water would just sit there and the water would stagnate and the water would just, I mean, think about it. This is a hot 
temperate or not temperate. This is a hot climate. This water would not have been pleasant at all. Mm-hmm. Nobody would choose a cistern over a, the fountain of living waters. Right. And God is comparing Israel's idolatry to saying, you had the fountain of living yeah, waters. But you did. You chose that. Yeah. Great. You chose the nasty water. Not only that, but you chose a, a cistern that can't even hold water. It's broken. It's leaking. And you're, uh, you're, you're licking the dregs out of the cistern when you could have had the fountain of living water. Right. And that is what idolatry does. It, it lures us away from true life and substitutes a, a, a detestable facsimile of life that convinces us that the promises of our sin and our temptation are better than trusting in the promises of God. Well, to quote Jeremiah, they went after worthlessness and they became worthless. Yeah. You become what you behold. Yeah. Yeah, there's more in chapter two about their trust in Assyria and trust in Egypt. There's a warning from the prophet saying, hey, don't do what you've done in the past. Learn from your past mistakes. Don't run from what God is doing here, but instead run to him and not run to these foreign nations and putting your trust in them instead of God. That's right. Well, let's get to second Thessalonians chapter two and this man of lawlessness man of lawlessness so in chapter two he's addressing one of the problems there in the church in thessalonica at the time is some people are trying to convince others that the the day of the lord has already come that they missed it somehow yeah and he's saying don't be deceived by this because when that day comes it's it's going to be there's a lot involved in that and uh, one of the, the key things involved in that is the appearance of the man of lawlessness the son of destruction, verse four, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Ooh. Okay. What's this talking about? This is talking about the one that we often call the Antichrist. Um, is this the Pope? This is, <laughs> this is <laughs> it could be a Pope. Okay. Um, but this is the one who rises to power and uh and initially comes on the scene at the onset of the the tribulation period the seven-year tribulation period Um, we get a lot of this from daniel's 70 weeks prophecy that help us to understand what's going on here so back up a second here so the church is raptured church is raptured church is so everyone who's a christian is taken up to heaven with christ right uh, with god right uh seven years is the next time from the next part of the calendar. Right. Also called the time of Jacob's trouble. Exactly. And this is when we can expect the first Thess- or second Thessalonians to man of lawlessness to appear on the scene. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And he's going to rise in the, the onset of the tribulation period. And when he first comes to power, there's going to be a peacefulness about him. And I've often thought to myself, man, how is anyone in our fractured world as divided as we are going to be able to unite people together. And I I honestly think that's further evidence for the support of the rapture. Because if you think about the chaos and the tragedy that's going to come out of the rapture, mm-hmm. planes are going to fall from the skies and collide with, I mean, it, the pilots are gone. Air traffic controllers gone. You've got all of the accidents on on the roadways. Think about every Christian behind the wheel of a car is no longer there. And that, that car is going to collide into something. Bus drivers with buses full of people, surgeons operating on patients on the operating table. Mm-hmm. You've got so many different situations. Prison guards are going to be gone all of a sudden. And, and maybe some doors open. I, I creativity can run amok. This is going to put 9-11 to shame. The, the, the level of tragedy that is going to befall the world at the mm-hmm. rapture of the church. How are you going to ever recover from that? Right? How do you ever begin to rebuild from that? I think it sets the stage for a voice that God allows to come to power to unite everyone together in the midst of the chaos. And that's the thing. This man of lawlessness is originally going to unite people, including Israel. Daniel says that he's going to make a treaty with Israel for the first three and a half years of the tribulation. So he's going to offer peace in Olive Branch, so to speak, to Israel and bring Middle East. 
peace in the Middle East, yep. right? Um, during this time frame, until, and this is our passage talks about this, when he exalts himself against every so-called God so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. This is looking forward to what is known as the abomination of desolation. This is the time when the Antichrist will profane the temple. This is why we believe that there's yet going to be another temple of God that is built between now and this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to enter into the temple, into the Holy of Holies, and he's going to profane at the temple. He's going to sacrifice. A lot of people think sacrifice a pig because that's what Antiochus Epiphanes did. Right. Does it, does the fact that there's not presently a temple on the temple mount then give us some indication like, well, okay, in that case, Jesus can come back to get his people because if the rapture were to happen right now, then there's no temple for this guy to take his seat. I, I think there's room for that. Although with the advent of modern technology and how fast things construction takes place, it, it, I don't think it's going to be a, a, a long, long period of time to, to get that temple rebuilt. So possibly it's, you know, it's interesting right now because right currently in Jerusalem sitting on the place that we believe to be the Holy of Holies mm-hmm. is, uh, is the, the shrine dome of the rock. Yeah. The dome of the rock. Yeah. It's not a mosque. It's a, it's a shrine and it sits there because for the, the, the Islamic people, that is also a, a holy site there as well. And uh, they believe that Ishmael was the one offered there on the the rock and not Isaac. We would, that's where we would obviously separate from them on that, but that's their holy site. So a lot of people think, well, then how is the temple going to be there? Is the dome of the rock going to be destroyed? Well, you can think about, talk about world war three. If that were to happen, other people have, have argued there's room on the temple mount there. And there is, having been there and seen it for a a full size temple to be built adjacent to the, the dome of the rock. (sighs) And so there are, are people who, who believe that it's the part of the, the peace being brokered here is that there's going to be a temple that's built adjacent to the Dome of the Rock. And this man of lawlessness is the one that's that's brokering a lot of this uh, what goodwill it's towards one another. Deals. Yeah. And what an interesting time to, I mean, right now, like but this could actually happen right now because there's tumult in the Middle East. Yep. And I mean, to your point, they could, he, he could build quickly. They could yep. build quickly if they wanted to. Enough people, enough resources, this can be done in no time. And think about our current technological situation. This is the first time in human history where you could live broadcast anything to anywhere at any time. Yep. We have the ability right now to broadcast and to promote this incredible mysterious man who comes on the scene and does these incredible feats of godlike activity which is in part why he can get away with some of this stuff this is able to happen right now previous generations i don't it know is. how they would have gone around the whole world yeah now like when jesus comes and every eye sees him oh, okay yeah. i think that's possible we could potentially see that yeah on our iphones yeah or yeah, or. yeah. The, there's a, a an organization in israel i think it's called the temple institute that is made up of of orthodox jews who right now are preparing all of the vessels for the the temple the rebuilding of the temple wow. so they have when you read through the old testament description of all of the different vessels that would go into the temple they're building those things right now they've got them ready to go and ready to just be carried into the temple Crazy. when the temple is rebuilt What's going on here? What's the whole point in all this? Who's in control? Why is this happening? Well, it's important to remember that God is the one that's sovereign over all of these things. And as we see this unfold, God is the one that grants power to this man of lawlessness. He is not empowered by himself, although it does say there in the text in verse nine, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. Okay, fair, right? So you might say, well, isn't Satan the one behind him? Okay. Remember Job, Satan had to appear before God to ask permission to afflict Job, 
with any sort of suffering. And so this is not taking place apart from the permissive will of God. Why is God allowing these things? Well, if we go down further, they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sent them a strong delusion. This again is happening during the tribulation period, during the period of time meant to be the, the, the pouring out of God's wrath upon the earth for ultimately the rejection of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so this is uh, Romans one. He turned them over. This is the, the here we begin to see the, the wrath that they had stored up Romans two, five, beginning to be poured out, literally poured out in the bold judgments um, upon the earth and upon the people. And the man of lawlessness is at the center of that program. This is a, a terrifying time to be alive. It is. And we don't want to be there. No. And again, just to be clear, Christians who repent and trust Christ right now, if Jesus were to come in the next, you know, whatever time frame, our lifetime, they wouldn't go through this. There are people that do believe Christians go through this. But we would say based on a reading of this text here, we're, we're feeling confident that God's plan is not to have Christians endure this time of Jacob's trouble. Right. The church is gone from this scene. Right. Right. And we've covered why. Um, and there's other passages that we'll get to that are encourage the same idea there, the same thought that God will uh, deliver his church from this time period. Yeah, it uh, definitely is not a time that we want to be a part of at all. And let that, again, serve as motivation and encouragement for us to be an evangelistic people, um, to reach people for Christ and to encourage them not to uh, pursue this. And and that's where the Apostle Paul goes next. He says, but, so he's contrasting here. And so here again, right? But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. So here Paul's even contrasting and notice that because I think that further supports the idea of the rapture that the church is not there. Paul's saying, Hey, this is all coming. The man of lawlessness, but, but he's saying we have different thoughts about you church. There's, there's a different concept. There's a different hope that we have because we believe that you're going to be saved, but notice through sanctification by the spirit and belief in truth that our salvation is a salvation that justifies and also that sanctifies as God through his spirit works on our lives for the rest of our lives. Yeah, I think the the term love the truth he, he uses here in verse uh, 10 mm. that uh, stood out to me as being evidence of the fact that in, in interaction with the truth and in love for the truth is, is a moral imperative. Yeah, We can't sit by passively and just say, I'm going to sit under good preaching. No, we got we to pursue and love the truth, ultimately because the truth points us to Christ, yeah. loving Christ, loving God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so today, good for you uh, for being here and listening to the podcast. I hope you do get some more good Bible time today and with your family, whatever that looks like, whether you're single or married, family of God, physical family, stay in the word, make it a feature of your family, make it a feature of your life. Loving the word is a matter of life and death. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. We'll join us again tomorrow, Lord willing, for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Bye, yo. Sponsored by Hutchins Twinkies, Texas Twinkies. (laughs) Can we get some of their sponsorships? Man, that'd be great. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.